CHGO White Sox podcast presented by DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook. Download the app today and use promo code CHGO when you sign up. Welcome into a remote version of the CHGO White Sox podcast. I'm your host, Sean Anderson. You can follow me on Twitter at Sean underscore W underscore Anderson. That is Vinny Duber. He's our CHGO White Sox beat writer. He voted. I did, too. Go out and do your sure. duties. I think Herb did as well, and it took him did. Uh, about five minutes. Uh, that's Herb Lawrence. Hello. You can follow him on Twitter at Acknerwall23. Uh, you had a nice breezy vote. So did I. Yeah, that's how voting should go. It's uh, very enjoyable to exercise your right to vote. So go and do it, guys, if you haven't. I went like I went like a week and a half ago. So like there was nobody at the library and <laughs> I was in and out of there in about 20 seconds because there's only the one spot on the boat on the on the ballot. So, yeah, it was uh, it was a quick one. There was there was two on mine. I walked over to the PL lounge and uh, filling out the 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 person at the desk was the slowest. Uh, actually, doing the ballot was easy breezy and uh, it was all under five minutes. So uh, go do your due duties, people. Uh, go out and vote. Uh, we're not a political podcast. We're just a White Sox podcast. Uh, we are here to talk about the Chicago White Sox. We're going to talk about the pitch clock. We have now seen five games uh, for through the television and now one in person. So what are in first first impressions on the new rule for major league baseball? We'll also talk about kind of first reactions as well. Um, we'll get some recon reaction to that first series, but then also, you know, how do we feel about the hitters first time through? Uh, how do we feel about the rotation first time through in the bullpen as well? And then we'll end uh, with some questions from our CHGO diehards in the mailbag. Let's get into it. Herb, you wanted to start off with the pitch clock stuff. Uh, you saw your first game. I saw your first game. Vinny, you saw your first game with the pitch clock. What did you make of it in person? Watching on TV with you guys, uh, I loved it because it went. the pace was good. We were just chilling in the office, and it felt like the the action was just upon you, and, uh, and it was good. But going to the game, I mean, firstly, you know, I won't necessarily get into the line problems. I know you didn't have them, Sean, because you left a little earlier than I did and entered the ballpark, I think, 30 minutes before our first pitch to get into the ballpark. I left uh, 15 minutes before the first pitch from the tailgate to get into the one of lines, and it was just long. But once I did get in, I just realized, like, I was, you know, I would watch a pitch, talk to a friend real quick, and then two pitches subsequently were pitched. And it was just the action was much quicker. If you're not used to it, it's kind of startling. And then going to the bathroom, going to the concession stands, I already knew that that was going to be a problem. And I went to the bathroom when Michael Kopech gave up those four home runs. I didn't see any of those. I'm just listening while I'm in the bathroom. Ah, goodness gracious. I just keep on hearing that. And so the action is upon you. So there's going to be a thing. I'm sure the owners are not going to see it in the pocketbooks because I only got one beer. I got one hot dog, usually at a game. I'll get multiple beers, but I didn't have any time. It was just so quick. I like the action, but also the game experience when you're actually at the game is a little bit different than when you're watching at home. Well, again, I'll just I'll bring this point up uh, that, that Herb, you've brought up so many times too. Uh, the people who are already baseball fans, they got them. They, you don't you don't need to worry. Uh, you know, Major League Baseball owners don't need to worry really about uh, losing uh, baseball fans as baseball fans. These moves were made. These rule changes were made to cater to people who have tuned tuned out, who have turned turned the game off, uh, who have never turned the game on because there's fast moving action that they can watch in the NFL and the NBA and 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 other sports, uh, even soccer, which never stops. Um, I think now you've got 
a, a set of rules and a, and a pace of play that they look and see as, okay, here's a way we can get more people to the sport. Here's a way we can get more people to the ballpark and selling more tickets and generating more interest is going to far outweigh the fact that Herb didn't go get his second, uh, you know, Miller light of the day. So um, I think that, uh, or, or his goose Island, I should say, but uh, I, I think that, uh, you know, we all know what that, uh, we all know what that section's called now. Uh, the point being, <laughs> it's unfortunate, yes, but yes, the point being that I think the uh, the owners probably hear what you have to say and go, it's a sacrifice we're willing to make if it means we can get a bunch more kids in there on a school night, if it means we can get a bunch more families in there on a Sunday who don't have to worry about blocking out six hours of their day to attend a baseball game. Uh, and so I think in person, you're absolutely right. I mean, I've been to hundreds of hundreds of baseball games, and this was unlike anyone I've ever been to before because it just moved at a clip, man. Uh, and I was, um, in some cases, you're happy about that because how many times have I sat there in the seventh inning of a of, of a blowout game in April and Terry Francona's making four pitching changes and you're just, <laughs> okay, let's move this along. But at the same time, you're right. It's like, okay, that drama aspect of it certainly is um, sped up and, and your ability to quick, let me Google something before the next pitch is thrown. No, no, no. You got to keep paying attention. So um, it, it was a big difference. You're absolutely right. And uh, the people who attend baseball games on the regular, that's the people who are going to notice it the most. But I think what the hope is, is that there's a bunch of new people in that ballpark that go, Hey, I like the looks of this. I like this. Now this doesn't feel like sitting and watching paint dry. This feels like watching a fast moving sport. Absolutely. Uh, Soxbomb72 in the chat says, for the young fans, it's helping. My 17-year-old son will now watch a game and blank name saying, I like the pitch clock for the most part unless I'm at the ballpark when I enjoy the extra time to stand in a concession line. It's going to be tough when there's 34,000 people there as well. Um, I, I think going on opening day was tough. Mm -hmm. um, I like the pitch clock. Love the idea. Games are 25 minutes shorter on average. That is great for the sport, especially for a TV product. Because I think the issue is you have to have an expectation of how long you're going to be devoting to this game. Uh, and then also, like, you see it with, you know, women's basketball on the college side. You see it with, you know, the NBA in general. Those games have a pace. Those games can, you know, be very quick because there's a, a clock running. Uh, you felt that clock for sure. I was a little bit worried with Michael Kopech. Uh, I, I kept watching him and it was a great section from the 108 where you can see Kopech on the bump and then the pitch clock right behind him. Uh, so it was really uh, nice to see that angle. And I'm really excited to go to a game when it's emptier, like I, when I can, you know, focus on the game and there's not a ton of people uh, here for opening day. Uh, going and watching the game when it's kind of quieter there, it, that might be very, very peaceful and just really engaging. Um, it was tough to kind of stay engaged during that game. Uh, but yeah, I, I think especially because the Giants kept hitting home runs. Uh, but no, I'm, I'm excited to see how this progresses. I think it's going to be a fantastic role. And by the end of 2023, uh, hopefully we'll see more fan interest because I think what the national uh, championship game between LSU and uh, Iowa just got like a 10 million rating, uh, which rivaled the World Series. And no offense to women's college basketball, Kate and Clark, all fantastic. But like, that's a top four sport right there. <laughs> and college basketball is competing. That's nuts. Uh, like that. That's so I, I don't know. The, baseball needed to change something. And I think this is going to help ha help drastically. 
I agree. I agree wholeheartedly. And I am going this weekend to Pittsburgh seeing the White Sox. And so I'll go and see in that ballpark. And we're asking for a less crowded game. Of course, we're going to have a less crowded game there, even on opening day for them on Friday. I don't think there's going to be 34,000 because that team, of course, is not competing. The the owner is not interested in that. He's interested in collecting his money. That's his uh, prerogative. But I'll look at that game as a like a test and see, okay, this is more of a relaxed atmosphere i can actually concentrate on the pitches and not necessarily talk to the people next to me you know understand that the the game is different they cut off all the fat so it's all action which which i asked for and now going to the game i didn't i wasn't like upset with the game it just was a different experience that even knowing the experience that what i was going to get it myself into it was totally different than i even expected just so quick and i enjoyed it but also i was like man they've really drastically changed the game for the better. And it's good that major league baseball is not stuck in the mud. They're proactive instead of reactive. Well, and when it comes to fan behavior too, it'll just evolve, right? It'll adapt to the, to the situation. I mean, I, I don't think anybody, you know, so many, so many of us never went to a hockey game before the Blackhawks got good, right? Because of various reasons, uh, some of mm-hmm. them imposed by the team itself, but um, you know, once we got there, we we're like, oh, this is there's there's this that's different uh, about going to a hockey game that's different than attending a baseball game. There's this that's different about going to a hockey game that's different than going to a basketball game. People learn quick, and I think that uh, you know, Herb, you talk about you know the the your your typical ballpark routine thrown off a bit. The next time you go, it will have changed, right? And then you'll go to dozens of games like that, and you'll get used to it. And before long, you'll well won't even remember what it was like to uh you know have an entire uh inning or or two uh to to have to kill time by going up and walking around the concourse and you get back to your seat and you haven't missed that much uh you won't even remember those days yeah connor in the chat saying pitch clock for mvp i'm planning five to ten nats games when i'm uh normally at one to two uh so there you go i mean you know connor get well seasoned if he's seen 12 games and he's saying in person i found myself wanting to be on time for the first pitch that's good for mlb i uh went to the perfect game for mark burley back in 2009 and i showed up in the second inning and i feel if there was a pitch clock probably would have been the sixth um you know he <laughs> man works uh we do really want to bring up uh, lines real quick uh Husky Bardo saying one of the worst experience when it comes to this opener parking lot was sold out. Thank God we knew something trying to get into the park was horrible. Also, the food was really bad besides the tacos. I had the high life burger or the high life dog. Uh, it was pretty decent. Uh, but the one thing that I think you mentioned Herb, uh, my bill was 30 bucks for <laughs> that and a Coke. Uh, so I will say like the time is great, uh, but still I think parking is now like over $30 Food is very expensive. Uh, there's uh, sweatshirts in the, in the shop. Those are about 84. So still the pricing might price out families. It, I know it was one thing I, I'd worry about. Yeah. I know the South side, the South side, not the only place where that's have, happening. Obviously Absolutely. I was, I've been to the United center a couple of times in the past couple of months and uh, it's, it's, it's outrageous there. It's outrageous everywhere. I mean, really the, 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 the cost of attending a professional sporting event is just it's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. And uh, it makes you feel bad for people who, you know, don't have that disposable income that they want to, that they want to spend on that. Uh, it, it really is. It really is silly in my opinion. If you want to get a cheap thing and I was surprised by this and I know it's not very inexpensive because you know, hot dogs should cost less, but I think it was like five seventy five for a regular Vienna beef hot dog right in right field by the bathrooms. Cause once I left, I was like, I'm hungry. And I got some chips and a drink. And I think I spent the drink was the course, the most expensive thing. It's like double the hot dog. And so five seventy five for a hot dog at a ballpark for me is 
not that expensive. So if you just want something in like that, just like a ballpark thing, I know you have to have a hot dog every time you go into the ball ball game, Sean. Yeah. And so, yeah, if you want to do that, maybe it was just specifically in right field, but that place I went to, I was like, all right, I'm kind of, um, I'm into this price. Cause usually it's like six, seven, $8. For we got Vienna five dollar Tuesdays, so hey. Oh uh, yeah, I, forgot. I think five seventy five. You can get a pack of eight Vienna beefs at the Jewels. <laughs> That's just me. Hey, it's just uh, me. I, I was up in the Miller Life high, 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 Sky Deck, and uh, it's about ten ninety nine for a High Life, and I think you can get a case of twelve for eight ninety nine at the Jewels, friends. Uh, so that that matters. Also, doesn't Sean, if you went to you went to every home game, if you went to every home game and bought a hot dog for just a regular hot dog. For every home game, you'd be spending more than four hundred dollars on hot dogs in a year, <laughs> in, in in half a year, in six months. Think about that. Yeah, for eighty-one I, hot you're dogs, the, you're the stat guy. You should know that. Thankfully, I don't go to that many games. I don't have to do that that ad uh, that that adding. Uh, we usually are at the office to to do the post game shows. Uh, thank you, uh, CHGO, for saving me money, so I don't have to be spending uh, thirty bucks at the ballpark. But hey, that's the other thing too. I ate that hot dog before the game. By the game finished it's a two hour and 36 minute game i'm not starving i don't need to like keep eating i don't need to eat twice the turn at the ballpark usually over like a four hour game mm-hmm. uh so shout out to that at least uh you know i mean th- that's one part of the pitch clock too is you might spend less money at the ballpark which is good <laughs> go make yourself dinner folks um let's take a quick break uh we got a question from socks mom 72 I want to check in with our guy Lawrence, though. Um, I know he's having a, a little rough day. Lawrence, you, you're you're all right. Um, I want to check in. Do we have the Rick Hahn stuff, or or should we hey, move dude. to the third block here? Hi. Right. Uh, I am working on it. It is okay. uh, uploading at the moment. It's going to look terrible, but uh, hey, wow, you know they'll sound that's, great. So that's, uh, we'll make it work. Okay. All right. Sounds good. So so I can do this ad break, and then we'll go to it. Yeah. All right, yeah. let's do that. All right, why don't we tell the people about our, our lovely, lovely sponsors here on the CHGO White Sox podcast. Uh, oh, it's now the second day of Shady Rays, our good old friends at Shady Rays. Uh, Herb and I were at the park wearing our Shady Rays, and some guy up in the, the, the balcony or what it's called, the, the ramp, uh, looked down and said, hey, and took off his sunglasses and pointed at him. Uh, take on the sun with gear built to last. Our friends at Shady Rays have you covered with warm weather ahead with premium polarized shades at an affordable price. Shady Rays is an independent sunglasses company that offers a world-class product that's just as good as any expensive pair we've warm they have durable frames and extremely clear optics for outdoor adventures when Vinny was out braving the sun in spring training he was with the shady rays when we were out at the park a lovely day outside of the second inning where we got rained on we had our shady rays and that's not all shady rays offers the most insane protection in all of eyewear every pair of sunglasses backed by lost and broken replacements if you lose or break your pair even on day one they told us that they will send you a brand new pair no questions asked Wear your Shady Rays with confidence because they have your back long after your purchase. Exclusively for our listeners, Shady Rays is giving our best deal of the season. Go to ShadyRays.com and use code CHGL for 50% off two pairs of polarized sunglasses. Try yourself the shades rated five stars by over 250,000 people. That is a quarter of a million people who have given them five stars because they are some of the best shades that I've ever owned. Uh, And I don't need to worry about breaking them or losing them because they're durable uh i've sat on them they're fine look at that folks um we also want to let you know about combat our good good friends over at com ed 
ComEd Energy Efficiency Program is committed to helping families and businesses in the communities we serve save money and energy. ComEd offers free facility assessments that can help find energy-saving opportunities, whether it's lighting, HVAC systems, commercial kitchen equipment, or industrial processes. An authorized engineer will work with you to develop a detailed assessment plan specific to your goals and needs. These can be done in person or virtually and last approximately two hours. Within three to four weeks, customers will receive a report detailing energy efficiency projects that they can start working on immediately. Each recommendation will include estimated energy savings, cost savings, project, project costs, potential incentives, and simple payback. So don't wait. Get started saving money and energy today for energy saving tips. And to schedule a free facility assessment, go to combat.com slash powering biz. That's combat.com slash powering B-I-Z. All right, Lawrence, Rick Hahn, we're good. Let's talk. Uh, Vinny chatted with Rick Hahn before we get into the videos. What'd you take away? A little 20 minute media session with Rick Hahn. Uh, I liked his energy. Felt like he seemed very positive about the first season uh, ser series. He liked Yuan Mankata. And I liked the, all the talks of communication between this new staff, but what'd you take away? Yeah. I mean, I think just a lot of, a lot of uh, positive reaction to this, to the spring in general, because most of the people that were in that media scrum obviously weren't down uh, in Arizona, at least for, for a long period of time. So he was kind of, you know, um, regaling people with the way things went during the spring as well as the way things went during those first four games in Houston. So um, a lot of reminders that it's just the very beginning of a very long season. Uh, and I think uh, the thing he was ha the most happy about is that he didn't have to sit up in front of everybody, anybody and give any, injury updates or anything like right. that so um there wasn't really much in the way of news to come out of this yesterday but certainly the gm is uh you know voicing the the feeling of the team and the the way that uh team brass is is, is uh, looking at the job that pedro Grafol and his staff are doing so uh i think uh coming off of what all of us agreed was for the white Sox, a very positive opening series uh he had a very positive outlook and uh, that's how he sounded Yep. And Vinny was there in the dugout, filmed this video. So shout out to him and his access. Make sure you follow Vinny on Twitter at Vinny Duber. Uh, let's go to Rick Hahn, part one. Who, uh, who is this Bruce. guy, Mankata, and uh, what is he doing? He was an MVP candidate in 2019, uh, if you followed the club closely. And in 2021, was a, about a four-win player. And this is the guy that we've... Uh, all been excited about for a long time. He obviously worked extremely hard to get himself not only healthy, but in position to perform at a elite level, uh, as shown by you know him making the all-tournament team for the WBC, and he's been able to carry it over into the first start of the season here. It's 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 been fun to watch. It's been fun to watch him, obviously, uh, Luis Robert, TA, and Eloy all being healthy and 100% and out on the field at the same time as you know how we how we envision this thing. Moncada and Yaz in particular being off to good starts, I think helps uh, set a good tone and perhaps answer at least as much as you can answer questions early on, answer some questions people had about what are we going to get out of those two uh, in 2023. How do you have balance kind of being upbeat? every reason to be and verse it's four of 162 games you have 158 left well, i know if we were 0 and 4 it would be uh, a bigger issue for you all but that's the thing is, even 0 and yeah. 4 wouldn't, wouldn't matter because no it, it, look I, I was talking to someone earlier today when they were talking about we were talking about the bear season and this is like drawing conclusions in the second quarter of their first game which, which we'll all do right. uh but we'll all be wrong i mean the fact of the matter is it is a small sample uh but we did i think we should take some satisfaction in the fact that we went into an extraordinarily difficult place to play uh played four straight games to start the season which you tend not to do uh 
and we were in every game and managed to split with the world champs. In, in, in my personal opinion, that's the toughest place to play in baseball right now. Uh, obviously, they were sold out. They're a very, very good team. Uh, you know, we saw their defense help win them a couple games. I think every run they scored on Friday and Saturday and our two losses were with two outs. Uh, there were repeated 0-2, 1-2 pitches that they spoiled and that they were able to, you know, keep their line moving. So they're a tough, tough team, and, and we went toe-to-toe with them for four days, and I think that's a good series. That series is now over, and now we got to start today with a, another good team in the Giants. Did you notice a difference in the attitude and the energy from the team over the first four games, and do you think that is a reflection of, of Pedro and, and what well, he's brought? I, I, I think, you know, for those of y'all who were, were down in camp, I think you've seen that for at least the last six weeks, not just the first four games. Uh, the the energy has been fantastic. The communication has been really good. Um, again, uh, I think you got a, a focused, high energy staff that's really getting the most out of these guys right now. Ronaldo's comments about the communication with the pen and all the conversations with the relievers, which happen daily, are all right. Here's the pocket of hitters that you we expect you specifically to be used in. Uh, you know, not sure if that's going to be six, seven, eight, ninth. Uh, it depends on the leverage of the situation. If it's not going to be here, then it's possibly there. And guys go down there, and the communication continues over the course of the game. So they enter the game with sort of an expectation of how they're potentially going to be used. And then uh, Pedro, Ethan, and Haas sort of evolve as the game go on. Uh, and, and look, we very much miss Liam. There's no doubt. And, and there's, he's one of the finest closers in, in the modern era. Uh, his absence, one small silver lining, is it does sort of free up the pen to be used in different roles and learn about what guys can handle what, and, uh, you know, without having a set closer per se. So, uh, very much look forward to getting him back, and then the interim guys are going to be sort of used in different roles. Past that, I mean, you know, it takes more than 26 oh, guys. Yeah, yeah. How do you feel about that that next layer, your second and third line? You sound, uh, you sound like you were in in our meetings when we were sending guys out to get in the camp. You know, we, it does. It, it takes. It takes. You know, as we say to guys, we don't view the pitching staff as the 13 guys we break with. It's really much closer to 18 to 22 that help get you through a year. And uh, certainly on a position player front, you're, you need more than the 13 as well. So we feel good about the depth. Uh, I don't think any, you've heard me say this time and again, there's no team in baseball that's going to sit here and say we have enough pitching and we have enough depth. Uh, we like the arms we do have, but it's... Over the course of the season, we're going to continue to look for ways to, to improve that. Going back to Thursday, we, yeah. saw, we saw how Thursday. the team... Is that opening day? Thursday night. Okay. Seeing how the team treated Pedro after the game, mm-hmm. put him in the car at the beer center. It's not abnormal for a team to acknowledge a manager's first win, but the way that we saw, you know, just that little video that leaked out. Yeah. Talked about the energy and stuff at camp, but the connection there seems to be the connection being received from the players too. What have you seen from the players that there's clearly a a connection between both Pedro and the players? There is, and, I, and frankly, I think it extends beyond Pedro. Pedro sets the tone as the manager, but the entire coaching staff has that sort of connection. Uh, you know, Mancato was sending hitting videos to. Jose Castro and Mike Tozar from the from Taiwan during the WBC of the bats. You know, there's that kind of uh, camaraderie, union, whatever you want to call it. The, the players know these coaches are, are they're fighting for them, and they're going to speak the truth to them and, and manage their expectations accordingly. Uh, it's uh, it was a big part of what we talked about the day we hired Pedro uh, in terms of his ability to communicate and his ability to create a cohesive group with both in the coaches and the, with the players. Um, 
and we've seen that translate over the you know first seven eight weeks we've been together talking about the first seven to eight weeks that communication um i thought that was really interesting to hear it expanded upon uh the communication between Raylo and the uh bullpen I, I just you know the pocket of hitters maybe that's when we're then talking and i'm frustrated like why is jake diekman in the game or why did they go to jose ruiz maybe it's about the pocket of hitters um maybe it's all basic stuff but we're learning Pedro Rafal. we're learning about his decision making um I, I thought just the idea that you know, the high energy individuals are kind of setting the tone. And we've seen that so far when you get smashed, you know, 12 to three uh, and you give up seven home runs, that energy fades a little bit, but they, they still were scoring runs late in the game as well. So they, they didn't give up. So, um, you know, it's, I don't think Rick Hahn was reaching in any of those spots, which I thought that was the one thing, like we were saying a lot of that stuff. They had a really good, uh, you know, appearance in Houston. And uh, we even saw like all the parts with the two out hitting for Houston. Like, you know, even Rick Hahn's bringing that up. So um, I don't know. I feel, I feel positive about the White Sox and it seems like Rick Hahn's feeling positive about the first five games. Yeah, I mean, uh, listen, I, I think I've I said it a bunch during the offseason and the preseason. It's going to continue to be the case. The biggest storyline to watch with this team is is what the new manager and the new coaching staff can can contribute because they really were where the front office put most of their faith during the offseason. The, the front office didn't go out and, you know, redo this whole roster on the fly. They didn't even really bring in, you know, three, four huge impact guys. It was, hey, we believe in this core. We believe in the guys who were so bad last year and we're going to bring in new tools to help them you know, become the players we think they can be. And so as we move along, are we seeing a different attitude, a different approach, a different leadership style? Um, what is the difference between what went so, so wrong last year and what they hope goes so, so right this year? So um, certainly a, a, as I saw in Arizona, the and I was only there for the first week and a half at camp and the players seemed fully bought in to, to, to what Pedro was preaching. It seemed like Pedro had communicated with these guys throughout the off season. And that's not even just talking about baseball stuff. That's, you know, just talking about talking. Uh, and, and, you know, obviously Ethan Katz had a whole off season to work with all his pitchers. Obviously we saw all the uh, work that Jose Castro and Mike Tozar were doing with Oscar Colas and Romy Gonzalez in Miami. Um, but it's hearing from Pedro like, yeah, me and Moncada have been texting all, all winter long kind of thing. Those are the kind of things that jump out that not necessarily the, Hey, we're going to work to be, you know, to, to, to practice so much and do all this great practice and, and, and get ready to, you know, do their jobs. But it's that attitude that, that, um, you know, that non-quantifiable stuff that I think really would make the big difference from last year to this year. You're muted, Herb. Of course. After watching five games to start the season and then having a day to just sit back and relax and then review what I just watched, I got to pause and watch myself because I get mad still about some of the things that were happening in 2022 that have leaked over into 2023. But that won't die easily because it's a same players for the most part. The only the, the the leadership is a little different with Pedro Grafal and his staff. So they're installing, I think, uh, some good things. And like you said, they're following the people who got the high energy and stuff. And it seems like through these five games, even though they're two and three, I feel much better about the team and their outlook than I would if it was last year or years before where a two and three record, you're like, oh, it, maybe they didn't play all the well. But no, I think the energy is good. They're giving their all. They don't quit on games at all. And 
those things that, you know, the base is loaded with no outs and not scoring runs, those things will die slow. So they'll still continue to go uh, into the season. But I eventually think that they'll figure those things out with these players by, you know, seeing them initially play and then adjusting to what they're doing at the plate if they do see something that is actually a detriment to the team and themselves. So I'm um, very, very happy with the energy, the excitement, and how they play baseball so far even though the record's uh below 500 right now but i i'm just looking forward to tomorrow's game i'm so disappointed that they didn't play today like that is a feeling i haven't had in a long time did you see the weather though thank god they didn't play well, yeah. and that was one thing too that rick mentioned uh you know i mean it's odd to start your season off with four straight games so i mean we might see them a little bit refreshed we don't know what five straight games could have done to them uh maybe that gas tank was just a little bit empty and we saw the five straight against- games they What's did that? play five straight games. Right. No, I'm saying maybe that's oh. why the, the the fifth one was pretty bad. Um, hmm. <laughs> I don't think they like that result. I think it was giving up all the homers <laughs> that made the fifth game pretty bad. That's just my opinion. And, and it's the one guy who didn't play that gave up the seven home runs. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, I, I thought that was interesting. And the one thing too, that I've just been kind of mulling over, this is my biggest thought after the first five games. And I know it's very early. And I was the guy that was worried about Yasmani Grandal, but he, he looks healthy. And I, I was going to say, I was going to give it two months, but I also have to give him credit because he worked out like crazy. Um, he looks really good. And, and some of those swings in Houston were fantastic. Um, like truly, you know, turning and just ripping balls into left field um i'm i'm very excited about what we've seen about him and mancata uh and you look at 2021 when rick brings up that mancata is a four-win player in 2022 1.2 in 2021 yasmani grandal in the catcher position was worth three war in 2022 1.7 uh so if the white Sox are able to get decent performances from Sevi Zavala and Yasmani Grandal, who is maybe getting some doubles in here. Uh, this could be, this could be huge for the team. I, I really think that this could be the difference that helps them get back to a, a 90 win team. Um, it, it's, you know, a lot to do with the pitching as well, but there are a lot of talented guys in that, that bullpen and in that rotation. So I, I'm, I'm not too concerned about uh, the rotation, even after the first three guys, uh, they look pretty decent. Correct. John. I mean, I just think that the rotation through one stop through better than I thought we were going to get. I know that it ended off poorly, but I would probably rank it in that order too. Like the starting pitcher who started the first game, Dylan Cease, of course, is the best pitcher out of the first rotation. And then I would go just because they faced the full lineup, Lynn Gilito. Than Clevenger. Clevenger had an actual better performance on Sunday than what Lynn and Giolito brought on uh, Friday and Saturday collectively. But I think, you know, not having Jordan Alvarez in that lineup is a break. We saw how bad, like that guy, as Rick was talking about, one, two counts falling off pitchers' pitches. You pitch him in the middle, it's going somewhere. You pitch him a 92 mile power slider, low and in, you think you're buried in it, crushed. So, like, did you know he had a short guy not spring be, training too? I saw a yeah, tweet today. That guy not being in the lineup, up. it's he like played two games. He yeah. played two games. Yeah. And so, his, those are his warm up at bats, is facing a 100 mile per hour sinker from Joe Kelly and depositing it to left field off easily, the wall. Too. I mean, seriously, it's ridiculous. And if we don't have Luis Robert, Kyle Tucker has at least a home run and a double because no one else is catching that in the White Sox roster. And that's no slide to shade to them. 
Luis is just elite back on defense. So that's great. And elite speed too. Well, didn't you say that 30 mile per hour speed uh, from Sarah Langs is uh, elite mm-hmm. speed. So that's what I take away from this weekend too. It's like the pitching staff is kind of good and I'm worried about the bullpen, but we already knew the guy who's to my, what is that? My left Liam Hendricks, who's going to be coming back uh, soon after that video. We, he was he was down, and so we know the bullpen was going to be struggling just because of his absence and, you know, Raylo moving to a different uh, position that he's not comfortable with as yet. Yeah, and I'll, I'll keep that in mind when we're doing post-game shows on, on maybe this is what they were told that they were going to face. Maybe Jake Diekman knew if Jordan Alvarez was coming up, uh, he might have to get him out once in that game. Uh, you know, uh, it, I might disagree with it, but again, that was also a four-game series, and uh, I think Pedro even said it was kind of a, a limited bullpen or we kind of, you know, figuring it out especially in the the first four games so uh we'll we'll see how that management develops um one final thing i want to talk a little bit about liam and garrett Uh, i know we touched upon this a little bit yesterday with liam's video um but rick said that it's going to be dependent on when their rehab start um they really don't know timetables until they're back um garrett's in extended spring training right now Liam obviously just finished his last round of chemo yesterday. So hopefully he gets a new, uh, you know, a a good, uh, you know, check-in whenever that is, you know, in a week or whatever. Uh, And then hopefully he can start doing regular workout activities and he can start, you know, getting back to a normal life. Um, But what do we expect from Garrett Crochet? It seems like they're making him a reliever because they haven't gone into, you know, a lot of detail about what that, uh, that that rehab assignment might look like, but it seems like we're trying to get him back before May, and that's why he's not on the 60-day IL. Yes, reliever. I, I don't think there's really any question about that anymore. Um, you know, the the idea at the end of or the middle or the end of last year when I talked to the White Sox about it was like, hey, we could go either way. If he's going to be a reliever, he'll be ready sooner, obviously, because there's not a buildup that you have that has to be done. I just think right now, Crochet's experience is working against him if he wants to be a starter. Obviously, he wants to be a starter, but the the guy hasn't been a starting pitcher in professional baseball, and he had in college pretty, baseball pretty well. limited ex- <laughs> right. He had pretty limited experience as a starter before they even drafted him. Right, so you're talking about a guy now dialing back what, six years or so, or, or four, <laughs> four, six years to high school. And that's, I mean, you can't just jump right. six years and then like, all right, I'll pick this up again. Here we go. Um, it's, it's, it's definitely going to be a bullpen role for him uh, when he comes back. And I think that the sheer fact that they're talking about him being ready by May it, it, or mid-May is, is a sign that, of course, that's going to be the case. Now, he's going to have to uh, go on rehab, Simon. They're going to have to give him the all clear. It's going to have to, you know, progress the way they want him to. They were expecting him back in mid-May at the start of spring training. We'll see if that holds by the time he he goes on a rehab assignment. Herbie, I want to throw something to you. Vinny just mentioned something that made me kind of scared. Okay. Um, I was going to ask about confidence in rotation after the at break, but Michael Kopech was last a starter in 2018. It's been about five years since he's had a full, I mean, I guess last year, last but year. I mean, that was even four years before he, mm-hmm. he, he, he was a starter. I mean, and we, we haven't seen, like we're not super confident in him, right? Like, is that a concern to you that, you know, he, he had such a long break from 2018 and it's not obviously all his fault because the COVID year um, 2021, he was building back as a reliever. Um, but is that a concern? 
No, not really, because I can parallel him to what Mike Clevenger is, and they have very similar situations where last year was their first year really back from Tommy John surgery, and so they pitched what, a, a similar amount of innings. I think Kopech pitched a little bit better. And so I'm thinking that you're you're breaking off the scar tissue in that first year. You're just learning how, and for Michael Kopech, learning how to actually be a starting pitcher in the major leagues because that was his first time doing that for a full season. So I am, I just can't believe that the confidence we had before pitch one yesterday is all gone from White Sox fans and like, ugh, bullpen, ugh, no. It's one game, and I know me, a game in April, her, what do they all matter? Yes, they all matter, but it's one singular game. If they would have lost four to three, I would have been just as pissed as they lost 12 to three. Like, I know the performance of Michael Kopech wasn't optimal, but I think the next time he goes out and he throws zeros up, are you going to be from, oh, man, he needs to get tripled aid to, man, he's a top of the rotation guy. You can't be that guy. You, and I'm the guy saying that, So, and I'm usually that guy. So we're calming down, people. We're, we're, we're chilling out because Michael Kopech, I believe, will be fine. And he's at the back of the rotation right now for a reason because he's not ready for prime time as yet with the rest of the guys. But we see at his best, he can go up against the best and shut those people down. So I'm looking more forward to that guy because I didn't see the speed being off. I didn't see anything untoward uh, from him. Maybe people are picking up on signs from him, and that's fine. You can adjust to that and then work it to your advantage in the future. So I'm not worried about Michael Kopech at all. If you guys are at home, I understand that was a distressing inning that uh, you guys saw. I actually didn't see it. So maybe I, if I saw the actual balls go over the fence, I'm like, ugh. Well, I tried to make a, a joke about Conforto hitting a home run and how Ben, ben, ben Attendi hasn't, uh, and then he gave up another one and another one and another one. I was like, oh, God, I feel bad. <laughs> I just feel horrible for him. You uh, let's up take the floodgates. I, I did. Uh, let's take a quick break, and then we will rejoin this conversation, talk a little bit more about confidence in the rotation after we've seen all five of these guys pitch. And then we also have a question from Sox Mom uh, in our CHGO lounge, the uh, CHGO diehard lounge. We want to let you know, though, about Goose Island Beer Company. CHGO is supported by Goose Island Beer Company. They've been Chicago's beer since 1988. And they have a fantastic beer roster. They have the Bull City 312. The can matches the 2022-2023 City Edition uniforms. So when the Bulls take on the Hawks tonight, hey, why not enjoy a nice cold 312? Uh, they also had the nice 312 raspberries at the whistle. Uh, those were uh, very, very good. Uh, a nice twist on the uh, classic 312. There's also the Bourbon County Stout, the Beer Hug IPA series. There's the Green Line, the Matilda, and the Sophie. And Goose Island's two locations are open and ready to welcome you. So you can grab a beer right from their innovative tanks at Goose Island's Tap Room at 1800 West Fulton or get a Smash Burger and Fresh Beer of the Week at the original Clybourne Brew House at 1800 North Clybourne. For reservations and pickup, go to gooseisland.com slash location, Goose Island Beer Company. And it's probably time to uh, also push our latest event with Goose Island. Uh, we have the Draft Day Live coming up, uh, the NFL Draft Party. Thursday, April 27th, Thursday, April 28th, Joe's on Weed Street with Adam Hogue, Mark Carmen, Greg Braggs, Nicholas Mariano, uh, Will DeWitt, uh, Corey Wooten there as well. Uh, so that's going to be a great time with Goose Island and CHGO Bears for draft day. Uh, so go over on the 27th, especially for the first round. That's going to be a huge pick for the Bears and their future. Also want to let you know about our good friends over at Roman. Most guys want a better sex life. 
up to 50% of men have symptoms that get into the way of wanting or enjoying sex. And if you want a better sex life, you are not alone. Roman is here to help. They're the digital health clinic for men addressing a variety of sexual health needs and offering genuine medication that helps achieve and maintain a strong erection. Roman offers discreet wipes that help you last four times longer in bed. And with men in low T, Getting testosterone levels back to normal can help increase your libido. Roman offers testosterone tests, which includes lab processing, and if it's appropriate for you, treatment for low testosterone. So there are no waiting rooms, no hassle. It's a straightforward digital experience right from the comfort of your home. So why not? To learn more about Roman, you can to learn more about how you can achieve your personal sexual health goals and Roman, go to row.co slash chgo to get 20% off your first order. That's row.co slash chgo. All right. I asked Herb about Copec and you brought up that point about crochet, Vinny. Um, through the first five goes, uh, are we shaky? I mean, it's 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 only five games, it's a small sample size. So uh is it normal expectations uh heightened expectations after the first five games or a little bit lower expectations for the rotation specifically i think it's been one turn through the rotation and so no one's expectations okay. should be altered at all i mean listen um you know uh, rick made the made the point there in the in the clip that you played this is like uh you know d drawing conclusions on a on a bears season you know after one guy's gotten a reception. You know what I mean? Like, it's like, oh, well, uh, what sort of season is, I can't think of any current Bears uh, uh, wide receiver. Justin so I'm going to say Bernard oh. Barry. And what sort of season is he having <laughs> after they've just thrown him one pass? You know what I mean? Kind of thing. So uh, that's what this is. This is baseball, right? I mean, you, you, Herb, you were talking about it being one game for Michael Kopech. Guess what, guys? Dylan Cease is going to get shelled at least once this season, and he might still win the Cy Young. Lance Lynn is going to get shelled. Justin Verlander and Max Scherzer are all going to get shelled. That's how baseball works. Um, you know, one time is the, the is is, is going to happen. The, the point is you want to make sure that's the only time it happens or it's one of only two or three times that it happens. The people that can minimize that and stop that from repeating are the people who the, you can have confidence in. I think when we talk about Michael Kopech, the reason that it's maybe so concerning for fans is because they can't necessarily place that confidence based on past results. It is still based on the potential. Now, I think Michael Kopech has a ton of potential, and we saw so many flashes last year of a guy who can be that guy you can put your confidence in. But when you haven't done it over the course of an entire season, be it because of health or performance or whatever, it's hard for people to watch a thing like yesterday and say, ah, Go get him next time, you know, because you can say that about Lance Lynn, right? Lance Lynn gets gets beat up by the Giants on Thursday, let's say. You're not going to be like, oh, no, Lance Lynn, he's broken, he's done for. No, you're going to be what? like, okay, Lance will get it, go get him the next time out. Kopech, you don't have the confidence to say that because you haven't seen him do what Lance Lynn has done. It, really, you haven't seen him do it once in his career over the course of a full season. What do you think the runway is? I, I, I'm not trying to say, but like, do, do we think from that, the White Sox perspective? Yeah, I mean, like, is there a certain threshold of him getting shelled that oh, we need to put him in the rotation to maybe gain his confidence back? But you like, mean in the put, put him in the bullpen or put him in AAA? Uh, but yeah, but like, is that the thing? Is like, do we ever see Michael Kopech going down to AAA because we know how deadly he is out of the bullpen? So it's like, does he get the chance to start 30 games, and is it just like he's? so full of potential there's no reason not to give him that runway Maybe i would i i would lean yes i would say that there's a there's very little chance that his role will change over the course of the season mostly because 
you know, it's not necessarily so easy to do, especially when you're a younger guy who hasn't done that before. If they were to say, go sign somebody like a swing man, even last year with Vince Velasquez, right? The mm -hmm. expectation in spring training is, hey, we want you to build up as a starter because we want to use you as a starting pitcher. But there might be a situation in which you're pitching out of the bullpen. You can prepare for that. And on top of it, you're a veteran and you know what it takes to get those jobs done. I don't think Michael Kopech has the experience to make that sort of transition in a season. And, and if we get to the end of the season and we're like, oh, man, Michael Kopech, we don't know what his future is. Then, yeah, maybe you're talking about them saying, hey, you know, take the offseason and get ready to do multiple roles because we don't know what you're going to do next year. Right now, they know he's going to be a starting pitcher. And I think he knows he's going to be a starting pitcher. And so I don't see that changing. You would you things would have to go dramatically off the rails for him to be uh, uh, removed from this rotation for any lengthy period of time that wasn't injury based. Um, I, I, I think that he's got all the leash in the world, really. I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm convinced of that. Before I uh, continue with the uh, rotation, Yohan Mankata already is half of the F4 that he had last year. Last year, 0.9. <laughs> this year, already at 0.5. Um, the rotation one through one time through, I you know, it's a little thrown off by the last start, but it's, it's probably where I expected it to be. As I said, if you would have told me that one of the fourth or fifth starter is going to be blown up and give up a bunch of home runs, and the other one's going to go out and throw a shutout and eight strikeouts. I'm like, that makes sense. Man, Matt Clevenger really got hit hard. And, of course, it's the opposite of what my expectation is. But Lucas Giolito pitched as I expected him to pitch this year. He did it versus a higher opponent, higher caliber opponent. Same thing with Lance Lynn, who only gave up that two-run home run to Kyle Tucker before he departed. But Dylan Cease, I did not expect that. No, I expected that performance from Dylan Cease throughout the rest of the season, but to go against the world champs and do that on opening day, that's that start is just it stands above all the rest because how much pressure, how much he struggled in the past versus that sec that team, and then coming out of spring training where he what didn't look good, even though it is practice, that man put everybody on notice hey i'm on national tv and these are your world champs come on now these people can't even touch me yeah and hey we saw that with clevenger as well uh on on the final game there he, he struck out eight um i do want to go to fan graphs real quick uh, this is from dan saborski mm -hmm. uh today he wrote about bust candidates for 2023 and one of them is mike clevenger uh clevenger got the two starts in the playoffs last year but with his stint in the Padres has to go down as a major disappointment. One, Sam somewhat camouflaged by the decline in offense and being a being in a pitcher's park, uh, losing a couple miles on his fastball may not have been fatal in itself, but it was quite a hard hit last year. And none of his pitches were able to put away batters effectively on two strikes. I think he's more of a reclamation project than a bounce back solution. And I don't think an alleged competition, uh, an allegedly competitive team and a home run friendly park is necessarily the best place to do that. However, um, you look at the zips projection as well. Um, only the 70th percentile, 80th percentile, 90th percentile, and 95th percentile have him having a ERA plus that is above average. Um, so a little concerning there. However, in the first start, 
we saw the tick on the fly, the fastball velocity be up and we saw the slider that Jason and Steve uh, referred to as demonic. Uh, so that was getting some swings and misses, I think 16 swings and seven whiffs. Um, so again, there is some concern. I know even Janice was concerned about the quality of starter he is, but we saw some good signs, at least from Clevenger. I think the only one we didn't see some great signs was obviously Kopech getting, getting, getting shelled. But again, I think uh, he didn't give up seven home runs until May 29th of last year. So uh, maybe that's an outlier. I th- <laughs> Just maybe. <laughs> I think in that article with Dan Saborski at the beginning, he t- uh, chronicles his last year picks for bust of the year. And he was pretty right on. Maybe not Karen Cech, who had a, like a one more last year, but every other pitcher he pretty much picked did not pitch as well as he, they were supposed to that year. I think if he, Clevenger, is that 50th percentile as a fifth starter, you will take that as a typical team. I know with the baggage that Mike Clevenger comes with and all the stuff off the field, that will be disappointing for the White Sox, especially them signing him out of the gate in the free agency uh, window. But as a fifth starter, if you're, what it was at that 450 ERA, it's pretty much what he had last year with the Padres. You're fine with that. I mean, and we know he's not going to be the guy that he was in Houston all year long. If he is, God bless. But I expect from him every time, five innings, three, three runs or less. And I'm like, hey, you did the job right there, Mike Clevenger. You gave us a chance to win. You're a fifth starter. That's your role in this team. Anything better is gravy. Well, I'll say this too. It, remember that it there's two sides to a mystery, right? I mean, we did we we came into the season not knowing what the White Sox were going to get from Mike Clevenger. That doesn't mean that we assumed it would be bad or that we knew it would be bad. It was just we didn't know. And there's no smaller sample size than just one game. But uh, he he was he was good. He was good in his in his first outing for this team. Um, you have to go along with it and learn the answers as you go along. Uh, there's that's why they play the games, right? If 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 um, if the guy from Fangraphs can just write, oh, he's going to be bad this year. No one would have signed him. Uh, you know what I mean? Like the, there's, you can, you can guess and you can project. And obviously smart people know, know what they're getting into here, but um, they play the games for a reason. And if he's going to be good, he's going to show it. If he's going to be bad and give people reasons to be concerned, he's going to show that too. I think there's a difference between um, expecting someone to be good or expecting someone to be bad and just not knowing what you're going to get. And don't be a pessimist when, you know, you get a, you get a wrapped birthday president and just assume it's going to be bad. It could be good too. You never know. So uh, let the, let the pitcher prove to you what you should think. Let him inform you what your um, opinion of his performance should be so far. So good. But of course we're talking about one single game. Uh, There's a lot left to be learned about Mike Clevenger and really this entire White Sox team. And there's not enough big, uh, there's not a big enough sample size to even get uh, decent rate stats or anything like that. Uh, we need a lot more samples, especially with baseball. Uh, so we'll keep you updated. Why not? That's that's our job. So uh, let's go to the lineup. We have one question from our diehard CHGO lounge, uh, our pal Socks Mom, saying Benetani in the three hole is it time to move Mancata up? Herb, is it time for Pedro Grafal to play? lineup doctor here or do you think he's going to be a, a uh, you know five games tight, tight to that consistency five games five yeah. games guys five of 162 and we're already we're already picking apart this lineup amazing i love it yeah baseball's back as, 
And so, yeah, I would say if as a manager, you have to know and learn patience. And if you're going to do this with this lineup, he was going to intend to do this for a good while. And while I like Yoan up in the top of the lineup, I would do it. But I think Pedro Grafal and all the White Sox players, like, remember, I wanted Luis Robert to be dropped immediately after three games. You can't do that as a major league manager because you're giving this guy all this trust and then telling him it's a long season and then you struggle in three games. He's like, oh, nope, sorry, you're gone. So what do you think that player is going to feel about you if you don't have trust in him to allow the process to play out instead of just judging them on the results of a short sample size? So, yeah, they're scoring a lot of run. I mean, you know, they were scoring a decent amount of runs at the end of the series versus the Houston Astros. They're hitting a lot. And so I don't think it's broken necessarily except for the run scoring opportunities they're not cashing in on. I would keep this no matter if they were scuffling through five because you need the trust from your players because you put them in that position to succeed. And if you pull the plug after five, six, seven, ten games, they're going to be like, what? you didn't have trust in us. You just wanted us to go out there and do your bidding right there real quick and have results immediately. So I think uh, uh, Pedro Gofal, if he's smart, and I think he is, will keep this lineup for the the future in uh, the, the the near future. Again, it's like Vinny said, it's been five games. Uh, the the one thing I do want to mention, though, I feel if anyone has a very long runway, it has to be Andrew Benatendi. Five years, $75 million. And this is a guy that Pedro Griffold knows from Kansas City, seems to really appreciate the style of baseball he plays. And Rick Khan has been fawning over him since he's been a draft prospect. So I, I don't think that this team is going to lack confidence in Andrew Benatendi. So I, I think even if Benatendi has a slow April, um, depends on how slow that is. But I think he's got full faith and full trust in this front office and from this managerial staff and this hitting coach uh, staff. So I, I don't think he's going to lose that spot. Um, maybe they start tweaking, but I don't know. I mean, we, we, we've never seen Pedro Griffol manage this team. So uh, it's exciting. Uh, exciting times on the South side. Uh, anything you guys want to add on here or you want to wrap this up? Well, I'll just say that. Remember there's two sides of that coin. Everybody wants Moncada to be moved up because he's, been fantastic right. uh, as an aside six extra base hits out of the five hole that seems like something the five hitters should be doing but um what my point being is that has andrew benintendi done some sort of horrible thing that has that has demanded his being removed from that spot obviously it's non-traditional right a lot of people would expect to see somebody else there heck the guy who was there last year is Jose Abreu, a, a very stereotypical number three hitter, one of the best hitters in the history of this team. But the point being that Pedro Grifol knows exactly what Andrew Benintendi is supposed to do. The White Sox know exactly what Andrew Benintendi is supposed to do. Remember, he's here for a reason, and it's not to hit a lot of home runs. Has Andrew Benintendi not done his job in some sort of glaring fashion? I mean, it's not like he is offer. It's not like he is, um, you know, striking out every time he goes up there. There's two. There's two parts of that equation. And yeah, Moncada is hitting great. You would you, you look at a blind resume and you say, boy, that's your stereotypical number three hitter numbers right there. But it's not like Andrew Benintendi is up there, you know, uh, uh, swinging out, swing, swinging out of his shoes every time, uh, you know, and and getting fooled by a Bugs Bunny pitch or something like that. He's uh, he's doing, I think, what Andrew Benintendi is supposed to do. So uh, if that's what 
they want in that number three spot in the order, they're getting it. And, you know, uh, over the course of the season, certainly as the sample size increases, you would expect it to be even more like what his numbers, quote unquote, should be. Yeah. And the one thing, too, is career BAPIP is 324 so far. It's 294. So there is some room there to be made up. And his walk rate and K rate, even though it's five games, are still uh, near his average. So. Um, seems to be the same hitter. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I didn't love that hitter, so I don't know if I love the signing. <laughs> and that's still my feelings, but I'm, you know, it's five years. He's got five years to prove me wrong. Uh, let's watch him play some baseball. And we will be back with you tomorrow to watch some baseball. The Giants will take on the White Sox. Very excited for Dylan Cease to be back on the bump for the Chicago White Sox. The same with Lance Lynn on Thursday. That game is at 1:10 tomorrow. Logan Webb, Webb versus Dylan Cease. It should be one hell of a pitcher's matchup. Vinny will be at the park, so make sure you follow him on Twitter, at Vinny Duber. He's our CHGO White Sox beat writer. He's got a brand-new piece up at All CHGO about Michael Kopech possibly dipping his pitches. Uh, quotes from Michael himself and uh, from Pedro as well. Uh, that's Herb Lawrence. You can follow him on Twitter, at Eknerwall23. He's our CHGO White Sox community leader. And thank you to Lawrence Benedetto for producing uh, the show today. Uh, he's our guy, and uh, I appreciate him uh, dealing with that Rick Hahn video. Uh, and also, uh, Rick Hahn doesn't look that weird. Uh, that was just our video editing software, and we tried to uh, export it, and it just looked a little funky. On Vinny's makes- camera, it looked very normal, and he looked very much like Rick Hahn. <laughs> he, he wasn't yellow. He wasn't Homer Simpson. No, he was not. He did not have a bad spray tan. Um, so he, he's all good uh, and, and looking normal. So uh, we're excited to see what the White Sox can do. And again, we'll be with you tomorrow for Giants versus the Sox. Uh, it will be a post-game show tomorrow. So uh, no pregame, but make sure you follow us on Twitter at actorball 23 at Sean underscore W underscore Anderson at Vinny Duber. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Go Sox. 